Let's go to God's Word this morning. I'll go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. How many of you want to have a blessed year? We want to be blessed, right? I believe that Jesus gives us the framework for being blessed in Matthew chapter 5. And it's known as the Beatitudes. Over this next few Sundays, we're going to go over these Beatitudes that Jesus mentions in his sermon on the Mount. And let me say up front, uh, before we get into these uh, characteristics, these attitudes, Beatitudes, that Jesus is not saying that you've got to live like this in order to be saved, okay? He's not telling us that you've got to live like this if you're going to get into the kingdom. He's saying this, if you are saved... If you are in the kingdom, you're going to live like this. This is going to be a characteristic or characteristics of your life. And so these qualities that we're going to look at are not something that you can just muster on your own. There's something that can only be produced by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's start out in chapter 5, verse 1, and look what the Word of God says here says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then verse 2 says, he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, verse 3, where we're going to look at this morning, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's look right quick at these three words before we get into the meat of the message this morning. Blessed, poor, and spirit. And let's, let's kind of define these terms this morning. When you hear the word blessed or blessed, a lot of people think they're blessed if everything is going their way. You may ask somebody when you see them, how are you doing? And they may say, I'm blessed. And most times when people are saying, I'm blessed, what they're saying is this, everything is going my way. Everything is going the way I want it to go. But that is not what blessed means. When we see this word blessed in verse 3, it means this, an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that does not depend on outward circumstances for joy or happiness. It refers to the spiritually prosperous state regardless of your circumstances. And so as a child of God, you are blessed no matter if everything's going against you that day. You are blessed because blessing has nothing to do with your outward circumstances. It's an inward peace. It's an inward joy that is not based on outward circumstances. It is something that is with you regardless of the day, regardless of the week, regardless of the month. When you are blessed, you are blessed regardless of your circumstances because you're a child of God. Then he says... Blessed are the poor. Now, we're all familiar with this word poor, I'm sure. But in the Greek language with the, which the New Testament was written in, there are two words that describe poor, okay? And we're going to talk about the one that 
Jesus uses here in verse 3 in just a second. But the first word in the Greek language that describes the word poor, it would mean this. It would mean a lower class of people. It would mean someone who is like a peasant. Those that have just enough to get by. And if you've ever talked to some old folks in the South, most of them will say, I was, I, I was dirt poor when I was growing up, right? Had to walk to, walk to school in the snow up the hill both ways, right? All that kind of stuff. I've never met an old person in the South that said I was rich growing up. Everybody said they're poor growing up. But when we hear the word poor, that's what we mostly think of. In other words, it's somebody that doesn't have the luxuries of life. In other words, they had food. They just have a lot of food. They had clothing. They just may not have nice clothing. They had shelter. They just might not have had the nicest house. But they were in a lower class of people. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus uses the word poor here, he is using the word that describes Someone that has absolutely nothing at all, okay? It's the same term that Jesus used in Luke 16 when he describes Lazarus the beggar and the rich man. And we know when we read that, that story in Luke 16 that Lazarus the beggar, he would sit at the master's table and he would wait for crumbs to fall down to the ground just so he could feed himself. In other words, Lazarus was totally destitute. He didn't have anything. Okay, that's the difference between being poor and not having anything. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, he is saying, blessed are the destitute. But notice this third word he says is this, in spirit. Again, Jesus is not talking about materialism here. He's not saying that there's anything wrong with having material possessions. Because God blesses us at times with material possessions and some of us can handle it better than others. And we realize they're just simply things. They're not something we, 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 we serve. They're not something we live for. But they're just some things that God blesses us with. But Jesus says, if you want to be blessed and God's children are blessed, he says, you are blessed when you are poor or destitute, completely, utterly destitute in your spirit. Now, what is it, why is it that God wants us, his children, to be poor in spirit? Why is it that being spiritually destitute is a good thing? And I'm going to say this phrase a few times in this message this morning, but here's the first one. I want you to understand this. We will never depend on something we don't think we need. We will never depend on something that we don't think we need. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. We're all getting older in here. Okay? And as you get older, your body will go through just natural aging process. Your bones will become less dense. That's why it's dangerous for an older person 
to walk around at times because when they'll fall, they'll break a hip. Why? Because their bone density has changed. Now, as you get older, your reflexes are no longer the same as they once were. Your eyesight's no longer the same. Your balance is no longer the same as it once was. And you may go to the doctor one day and he may say, you need a cane or a walker. Now, most of us are going to be stubborn, like a mule. And we're going to say, that's for old folks. I don't need that. And so even though you need that, you don't think you do, so what you'll do is this. You'll say, I don't need that. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just do my own thing here. Remember when you tried the ramp outside? And everybody said, man, we need to get some ramp inside so those old folks can come up the ramp inside. Well, some folks, old folks said, I ain't using a ramp. That's for old folks. And so you'll stumble and bumble out here, falling all the time. Why? Because you don't think you need a ramp. But once you realize you can't get along like you used to, you will start depending on that apparatus that the doctor tells you you need. And what Jesus is saying here is we need to realize that we are utterly, desperately dependent upon Him for everything that we have and need. We could say verse 3 like this, Blessed is the person who realizes they are completely destitute, utterly helpless, one who realizes their absolute need for God. That's who's blessed. It's not the people that think they're self-made men or self-made women and they're going to pull themselves up by, the, by, the, by their bootstraps. I don't even know what that means, but I've heard it said a lot of times. And they're just going to grin and they're going to bear it and they're going to make it through no matter what. No Jesus says you are blessed when you realize you are completely destitute, utterly helpless, and you absolutely need God. See, there's four things I want to look at this morning on that we need to realize how we are utterly helpless, independent. The first thing is simply this. We need to realize that He alone is the source of salvation. He alone is the source of salvation. Do you realize that salvation is the most important thing in life to have? Most important thing. It's more important than having money. It's more important than having health. It's more important than having a nice house. Salvation is the most important thing that you need in life. See, when Jesus was teaching on this Sermon on the Mount, there was four groups of people that was in that crowd. There was the Pharisees who were traditionalists. They were committed to the externals. On the outside, the Pharisees looked like they were religious and saved people, so to speak. You had also the Sadducees, which were the modernists. 
They didn't believe in angels or the resurrection. They didn't believe in the supernatural thing and they were sitting there listening to Jesus. You had the zealots who were political activists, who were fanatical nationalists. They were all about God's political kingdom that Jesus was going to come and set up a political kingdom. And then you had the scenes which were separatists there that were very disciplined. They disciplined themselves and followed the strictest diet and all that kind of stuff. But notice this, every one of those groups there, in some form or fashion, they thought they were in good with God's grace. The Pharisees said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Sadducees said, yeah, we're good. The Zealots said, yeah, look what kind of stuff we're doing to try to bring about the political kingdom. The Essenes Look how strict we are. Look how much discipline we have in our life. But the thing about it is, they had a self-righteousness. And you've got to realize this. We live in the South. I understand this. And in the South, we're just a bunch of good old boys and girls. And most people in this town, I would say this without hesitation... Most people in this town think they're going to heaven. They think they're going to heaven. If you don't believe that, go to the obituaries, Nichols Funeral Home, and go to a funeral service. And you'll sit there in a the funeral service. I've seen it. And there'll be someone in that casket Never went to church. I'm not saying you go to make, going to church makes you saved because it doesn't. They never exhibited any kind of righteousness. And the preacher will get up there and say, Uncle Billy's up in heaven right now fishing at the river of life. Why do we say that? Because we say they're a good guy. That's a good guy right there. We say something like this. He's got to be in heaven because he'd give you the shirt off his back. He's got to be in heaven because if I was ever on side of the road, broke down, he would surely stop by and fix my flat and send me on my way. And we try to relate good deeds good works to meaning we're in see pride is one of the greatest things that will keep people out of heaven because I heard a political candidate say recently I don't need to ask for forgiveness because I'm a good person really really do you realize that the Bible says in Romans 3 and 10 that there is none righteous, not even one? See, we need to see ourselves as we really are. We need to see ourselves like those makeup mirrors that show you every blackhead every wrinkle, 
every scar, those things that makeup can't hide. We need to see ourselves as we really are. See, because we can't do enough stuff to get ourselves into heaven. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't keep the law enough to get to heaven. As a matter of fact, in Romans 3 and 20, Paul says this, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In other words, when you read the Bible, it should make you uncomfortable. Because as you get older, a mirror makes you uncomfortable. It makes me. And the Word of God is like a mirror. And when you look at that mirror, truthfully, it should make you uncomfortable. And that's the first step of salvation, is to see yourself as you really are. You may say this, well, I'm not as bad as some people. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. See, because we've got to realize this, people are, people's not the standard. God is the standard, and the Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so when you read the scripture, it should still remind you, guess what? I need a savior. I need someone that's done it for me. I need someone that's done that can do something for me that I cannot do for myself. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. And that's the reason why he said, listen, you are blessed when you realize that you are utterly helpless. You are utterly hopeless as far as saving yourself. That salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64 and 6, starting there at the end of the second line, in all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments in his sight. The best Rodney Ridgeway can do is filthy in God's sight. Do you understand that? The best you can do, it still will not measure up. If we get down to the nitty gritty, so to speak, even our good things are tainted by sin. And I'll show you this. When you get up and sing a solo, or you teach a lesson, or you preach a sermon, your flesh wants to hear, that was good. I do. I don't want to hear somebody say, better luck next time. And don't tell me that this after it's over with. Just save it, keep it to yourself. You can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. But why do I want to hear that? Because of pride. Pride. Y'all notice these people on Facebook always, 
they want to create a viral video of them doing something good, feeding some homeless person. Let me video this. You can't tell me those motives are pure. They're not. They're doing that because they want likes. They want people to say, look how good you are. Look what you have done. That's the reason why when we give shoe boxes to the orphanage out in New Mexico, I don't care if anybody knows about it. Because if I'm out there trumpeting that, I'm probably trumpeting that because I want to build myself up. Because everything that we do, even good stuff at times, is tainted with a little bit of sin, pride. And we shouldn't let the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Because if we're doing it for the right reason, we're doing it for God's glory, not our own glory. If people see you more than they see God and what you do, you've missed it. And you realize, he says here that our good works are as filthy rags in his sight. That's what the Bible says in Titus 3 and 5, that he saved us. Listen, he saved us not on the basis of the deeds which we have done in righteousness. You can't give enough to get to heaven. You can't fast long enough to get to heaven. You can't pray long enough to get to heaven. He says the only reason why we're saved is because of his mercy. Now, what do we know about mercy? You only hear of mercy in a state of guilt. Mercy is giving you what you don't deserve. And every single one of us in here, we don't deserve heaven. You realize how, this, how our society now has become an entitled generation? Everybody thinks they are entitled to something. And it's affected the church as well because we will come into God's house and think God owes us for just showing up today. He's lucky I came today. No. Every single one of us, we deserve hell. We deserve hell. We've sinned. We've fallen short. And you are blessed when you realize, listen, that I can offer nothing towards my salvation, that Jesus alone is a source of my, of my salvation, that I am utterly, totally dependent upon him for my salvation. Paul was saying in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. God's gift to us. Let me tell you something. You don't earn a gift. You don't earn a gift. Y'all remember these timeshares? And if you're in it, just close your ears. Don't worry. I'm sorry you fell for that. But they would say, if you would just come by and meet with us, we're going to give you this. And six hours later, they're sitting there twisting your arm trying to get you to pay $90 a month for 
next 20 years of your life so you can tell so they can tell you we ain't got no room for you you got to go stay somewhere else <laughs> that's not giving you anything you haven't earned that a gift is given to somebody with no strings attached and that's what salvation is it is a gift of God you can't earn it you can't work for it it is the gift of God through Jesus Christ and you are blessed when you realize that I am utterly and completely bankrupt in myself and I am totally dependent upon Jesus Christ for my salvation so you see he alone is the source of my salvation the second thing is this he alone is not the source of my salvation he alone is the source of my security and my protection see the same God that I need to save me it's the same God I need to keep me and protect me. In other words, I'm saved by grace. I am kept by grace. I don't know about you, but listen, if it's up to me to keep myself, I might as well quit. I cannot keep myself. You cannot keep yourself. You can't even keep up with yourself almost, unless your salvation. Can't keep it. You lose it all the time. Your cell phone, you lose your keys. They got these things now called AirPods, EarPods, AirPods, something like that. Right? They're wireless. I need the wire kind because that way I know they're stuck to my body. I think I'm on my fifth set in the last two years now. Why? Because I can't keep up with them. The last set is on 8th Avenue in New York City somewhere, getting run over by cabs. <laughs> okay? But if I can't keep up with that, what makes me think I can keep myself, protect myself in my life, in my salvation? I can't do it. Can't do it. But I do got a keeper. I do got somebody that's protecting me. You know, in, in the book of Psalms, there's a section in Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent or the Pilgrim Psalm. And they would sing these psalms, these, this little section of Psalms here, as they would go to Jerusalem for one of the three main feasts that they were required to attend. Now, as they were traveling to Jerusalem on the, for these feasts, there was danger all around. There was robbers they could face. There was wild animals they could face. And they would sing something like this, Psalms 121, that would say this, I will lift my eyes to the mountains from where does my help come from? Listen, he's not saying he's going to look to the mountains for his help. He's saying, no, I don't look there for my help. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. He says, the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Listen, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. And the same God that kept Israel on their feast is the same God that keeps you and me. Even when Paul was on this earth, he faced a lot of dangers. But he would say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, the Lord will rescue me 
from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Even Peter recognized this. He would say in 1 Peter 1 and 5 that we are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. Even Jude would say it like this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Let me, you got to understand this, that he alone is the source of my salvation. He alone is the source of my protection. He alone is the source of my security. Thirdly, he alone is the source of my supply. He alone is the source of my supply. My supply. Let me give you a, a little newsflash for all of us. You don't own anything. God owns everything. You understand that? Oh, you may have some stuff, but it's not your stuff. It's God's stuff. James would say that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Everything that is good in my life is because God has given me that. Psalms 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Do you realize that God is the source of my supply? The air that you're breathing right now, you know who gave you that air? It's God. The air that goes in your lungs, that's on loan to you from God. The life that you're living right now, that's God's life he gave you. You've been bought with a price. The gifts and talents you have received, you didn't just muster that up on your own. Every gift, every talent you've got has been given to you by God. If you can sing, it's because God gave you that gift. If you can teach, God gave you that gift. If you can preach, God gave you that gift. Whatever it is that you can do, God gave you that. The marriage that you're in, you may think it's tough, it may be rough, but guess what? That marriage is a gift from God. The children right now you're raising. Bible says in Psalms, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. The job that you work, guess what? God is the one that provided that job for you he's the one that opened that door for you to work there the money in your pocket the money in your banking account you know whose money that really is it's not your money it's God's money everything I have God is the one that gave it to me and you realize this that it's always easier to give away other people's money than your own heard a story about a preacher that was taking my offering and he told all the congregants he said I, he said I want you to everybody get out a $20 bill and raise it high in the air and man some people started getting squirmy he said Ooh, it's gonna be rough he said don't worry I'm not gonna ask you to give your money away so that whew. he said now I want you to exchange it with the person beside you and I want you to give their $20 in the offering
Do you realize how easy, how easier it is when you to give to be benevolent when you realize that it's not yours in the first place? Look at a kid. If you take a kid by McDonald's and you get them a ice cream, I don't know how many times I've done this in my life. And you turn around and you say, and I would say, Emma, let me have some of that milkshake. And she would say, no, it's not yours, it's mine. And my question is this, first of all, you didn't buy it. I bought it. I bought it, and I gave it to you. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have had it in the first place. Do you realize it's the same way with God? If it wasn't for him, we would never have it in the first place. And I do know this, that if God can feed four million Israelites in a desert for 40 years, what makes you think you got to Hold on to every... Listen, I ain't telling you to be stupid with your money. I didn't mean to say stupid. I'm sorry for you parents. That's the S word. I didn't mean for you to be foolish with your money. I'm not saying... That, I'm not saying do, do the Facebook... I'm not saying do the Facebook scam. I'm not saying do that. But I am saying this. We need to realize that God is the, soul, is the total source of our supply. He's the one that gives us health. He's the one that gives us wealth. He's the one that gives us all good things. And I'm not trying to make a buck off God. And I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that stuff. If you do, you go ahead. I don't, I don't buy that stuff where you've got to send a televangelist $100 and that way God's going to give you $1,000 back or $100,000 back. My thing is this. If they really believe that, wouldn't they be giving you $100 so they get $1,000 back? I'm not trying to pull one over on God like that. But I am saying this. There's a lot of us here who are living testimonies that God will take care of his children. He'll take care of us. He may not give you a new car, but he may be like me and make that car you got go over 370,000 miles and still going. Uh, we put a little quart of oil in it once a week. But I don't have a payment. Nah, nah, nah. You, t- you, 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 you enjoy making that check every month. I don't. He may make that washing machine of yours go 25 years. Some of our washing machines should have been gone a long time ago. But God just blesses his children And we need to realize that he is the total, total source of my supply. If there's something I need, he's going to take care of me. Because as Paul would say in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I know God will take care of his children. I'm not saying he won't. Listen, God's been faithful. He's been on time. and There's been plenty of times he's scared me to death, but he's still been faithful. And lastly is this. 
not only is he the source of my salvation, not only is he solely the source of my security and my supply, but lastly, he's the source of my strength. Source of my strength. I was talking to somebody this last couple of weeks, going through a family crisis. They were telling me, they said, you know, I just, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. They said, I'm just tired, I'm just weary, I'm just, I'm just wore out. And to be honest with you, that could probably describe a lot of people here today. You're tired, you're weary, you don't have the energy you once had. And you know the reason why? Because you're human. You're human. Because we're human, our strength is limited. Because we're human, our strength is finite. It's not infinite. Because we're human, our strength is exhaustible at times. Because we're human, we run out of energy at times. But guess what? While my strength may be limited, his is unlimited. While mine may be, in, may be finite, his is infinite. While my strength may be exhaustible, his is inexhaustible. While, my, while I may run out of energy, he never gets tired. And I'm here to tell you, you're blessed when you realize that God is the one that's the source of your strength. That you can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't make it on. You're not good enough on your own. I, I know we live in a society where we want to tell our kids and tell people, you're a winner. You're good enough. That's not what the scripture tells us on our own. No. I'm not enough. I can't make it on my own. I need a higher power to make it than myself I'm not skilled enough I'm not strong enough I'm not wise enough I cannot do this on my own but I do serve a God that is able to Roman as Romans 14 and 4 say he's able to make you stand he's also able to make you strong and to establish you and if you try to handle it all by yourself you will get crushed by the weight of this world In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read one of my favorite passages of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, he's defending his apostleship and he tells those Corinthians about a time when he was taken up to the third heaven, the very presence of God. And he says this in verse 7, he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Let's stop there for a second before we go on to the next verse. You ever realize just about the time you think you got it all figured out, it comes unraveled. You ever realize in life, just about the time you get everything paid off, something breaks down, you got to go, you got to get a new loan on something else. 
You ever realize once you get one family crisis kind of fixed, another one breaks out over there? It's like trying to fight wildfires everywhere. Do you know why it's like that? Because if everything was always smooth sailing, some of us would never come to church. I'm not talking about you people. I'm talking about those at the early church of God. But there's some people, and there's no early church of God in case you... There's some people you just know when trouble comes, when they go through the door, there's some trouble going on. Because the only time they come to church is when trouble. And the reason why it will never be fixed on this side is because those situations keep us depending on God. Because when you go through trouble, you'll pray more. When you go through trouble, you'll seek God more. Oh, when it's smooth sailing, if you're not careful, you'll be like those people in the Old Testament that God warned them. He said, listen, when you get into this new land, you said, and you start building houses, and you've got your nice houses, you've got your vineyards, you've got everything going. He says, you better be careful because that's the time you will forget your God. And so God, because he loved Paul and gave Paul this great vision of heaven, God said, Paul, I got you a gift to go along with this great vision. And he said, it's called a thorn in your flesh. And see, we would think that was a thorn from the devil. You know, God gave Paul this. And he says this, verse 8. He says, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. In other words, and listen, we need to pray always. But your prayer is not going to change God. Prayer mostly doesn't change things, it changes us. Now, it can change things. I understand that it will change things, but mostly prayer changes us and gets us in line with God's will to accept what God has for us. And this is what Paul said. He said, listen, I prayed to God three times. God, take this away from me. Take this away from me. And here's what he said to Paul. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weaknesses. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Then he says in verse 10, therefore, I am well content with weaknesses with insults with this how many is content with distress probably none of us how many is content we have been at the end of your rope and just having to depend on him we were to depend on ourselves and Paul says with difficulties for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong. We can't handle it, but God has placed His all-surpassing power within us. 
And the power of God within us is greater than the pressures of the world around us. But what we've got to do is we've got to rely on that power. So again, it's just coming and playing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.